Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy Monday. It is Monday. Uh, I hope you're starting work off on the the right foot. And if you started off on the wrong foot, well, hopefully you get back on the right foot. Uh, the next two hours, I'll be having as guests, uh, first hour returning guest out in Australia, Reverend Dr. Michael J. Sutton of freedommatterstoday.com. And the second hour, I'll be having first time guest Conrad Rogos of Truth and Law dot com to talk about freedom tyranny and the and the state of the world and uh there's a lot of news going on i found this insane quote from 1948 <laughs> check this out i've posted it on my socials 1948 newspaper says well the title of the article is lowly machine to overtake man rule universe and it's by hal boyle the day is drawing nigh when machines will overthrow mankind and rule the world the machines will rebel and seize the world they will toss atom bombs around and kill off all men except a few they'll keep around as slaves um pretty you know we're we're, we're that was a good prediction. I mean, we are almost there. Skynet has almost become self-aware. So that, that's pretty crazy. 1948. Um, and I thought I shared this comment by Piers Robinson, who I saw was just recently, I, I think he was a guest today with Patrick Henningsen, and I've interviewed Piers uh, a number of times. He does great work out in the UK. I actually got him into trouble, and he did a podcast with, with me. And then the, was it the Times, the oldest... Um, British newspaper did a hit piece on him using a screenshot of our discussion. But it's it's interesting because what he's saying is is what I've been saying for the past couple of years. Um, and he highlights sort of like the two things that I've been focusing on. So it, it's good to know that I'm not crazy, that other people are thinking along these same lines. He says the problems we face include both a drive toward technocratic global governance global government and a belligerent western-centric military industrial complex the former manifests itself in the biosecurity regimes who pandemic preparedness etc the latter in the west state of permanent war ukraine israel palestine syria and so forth and you can you can continue to read his uh thread over on x and paul rossi tweets the peak woke narrative is hopium with each passing day, that radicalism is pushed in schools. The new Red Guard grows stronger. Yeah, I think uh, we need to, I'd rather err on the, on the side of being too paranoid than resting on my laurels. And uh, I, I I ask guests often, do they think woke wokeism is peaking? And people like Paul Rossi say, uh, no, it's getting worse. The new Red Guard is being built. Sky News reports today, the UK's first human case of flu strain H1N2 has been detected according to the UK Health Security Agency. You know what? I'm not playing this game. I'm not playing this game anymore. We play we played this game in 2009 with the fake swine flu pandemic. We played this from two to you know 2020 to 2022. Um I'm out. Yeah, I'm not playing this game. So the, the more people who do not comply, uh, the more success we're going to have at, uh, at them backing down. Some geopolitical news. British troops patrol Kosovo-Serbia border as tensions remain high. NATO peace, uh, it's part of a NATO peacekeeping presence being bolstered amid concern that the former Wartime foes could return to open conflict following a series of violent incidents in recent months. We've been talking about that here on the broadcast, so keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, the China's PLA conducts live fire drills along border with Myanmar, which are being conducted on the Chinese side of the China-Myanmar border. That was over the, the, the weekend, aimed at testing the mobility, border control abilities, and firepower 
capabilities of the military units so that the PLA is ready for any emergency. Uh, we've also got um, satellite images indicating China is upgrading its air bases for war. Air bases along China's southeastern coast facing Taiwan have undergone, undergone significant infrastructure upgrades in recent years. Analysts say these changes are a sign of Beijing's preparations for a conflict over Taiwan. Uh, also, Turkey equipping Moscow's war machine, according to data. NATO member Turkey's exports to Russia of dual-use goods essential for Moscow's war machine have soared this year, heightening concerns, and Ankara is turning a blind eye to a lucrative ghost trade. Uh, meanwhile, Belarus reportedly receives Chinese-made ballistic missiles. And um, what else we got going on? The Indo-Pacific, Indo again, I, I've, I'm, I'm putting my focus there. Uh, Philippines is risking a major naval war with its uh, alliance building to counter Beijing. It's expanding its military alliances with Japan, Australia, and Germany amid growing tensions with China. And uh, here's one more for you from a Vox Day's blog. Uh, it's titled An Army of Gammas, and he makes a good point that the U.S. Army's strange recruiting tactics make a lot more sense once you realize it probably isn't mobilizing for a war with a near-peer military like Russia or China, but rather in preparation for the large-scale violent suppression of civilians. So this kind of that kind of makes you think with all this wokeism in the military makes more sense that they're going to use the military uh, use uh, uh you know the the US military against us against our uh, you know their own citizens rather than China and Russia. Uh, all, all right uh, a quick reminder why not give TNT Radio a follow we're on all the major social platforms including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on TNT Radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith invoked her province's new Sovereignty Act for the first time on November 27th to oppose Ottawa's requirements for net zero, or death zero, as I like to call it, electricity by 2035. The province says the requirements impact the reliable supply of electrical power and increased costs and that the federal government is infringing on provincial jurisdiction. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, also known as Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. So I guess history has just been made in Canada politics, eh? Uh, in a motion tabled in the provincial legislature, the Alberta government asks legislators to reject the constitutional validity of Ottawa's clean electricity regulations, CER, and use legal means to oppose the measure. Miss um, Smith, the Premier, Alberta Premier Daniel Smith, said at a press conference on November 27th, quote, Albertans must have access to affordable and reliable power when and where they need it. It's a matter of health and safety and a matter of financial reality, but it's also a matter of law. The Constitution is clear. Electricity is a provincial responsibility, end quote. This marks the first time the Alberta government has invoked the act, which the province says allows it to reject federal laws or policies deemed harmful to Alberta. I might move there. That sounds nice. The legislation was championed but championed by Miss Smith during her United Conservative Party leadership bid in 2022. It was passed into law shortly after she won the leadership race and became premier. Ms. Smith said the decision to invoke the act came after the province had tried to work with the federal government toward a net zero emissions plan by 2050 instead of 2035, but the attempts were unsuccessful. Ms. Smith said, quote, unfortunately, after months of meetings, they continue to reject this opportunity and remain committed to an absurdly unrealistic and unattainable goal of a net zero power grid by 2035. We are left with no choice but to create a shield to protect Albertans from Ottawa's dangerous and unconstitutional electricity 
regulations. And quote, the new draft requirements are part of the liberal government's climate change policies, which imposed new regulations on the energy and other sectors in the country. The federal government says that besides targeting emissions, its CER has other benefits, arguing that it could lead to job creation and attract new businesses to Canada. Same story everywhere you go when it comes to this stuff, isn't it? In response to Ms. Smith's move, Federal Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Stephen Gubale, and Minister of Energy and Natural Resources, Jonathan Wilkinson, said the premier is, quote, choosing to create fear and uncertainty over collaboration. Uh, the ministers said in a statement on November 27th, quote, over the past several months, the federal government has been engaging in good faith with the Alberta government on clean electricity investments and draft regulations, very much including through the Canada-Alberta Working Group. At no point in time did the Alberta government, including representatives from the premier's office, raise the premier's intent to introduce this Sovereignty Act motion on the draft regulations during these meetings, end quote. Uh-oh, they caught them by surprise. The ministers added that, quote, building a clean electricity grid, end quote, will create, will provide a, quote, massive economic opportunity, end quote, for the province. Finally, they said, quote, Canada stands ready to continue to make substantial investments in Alberta's electricity infrastructure and to collaborate with as many partners as possible to seize the opportunities and benefits of a clean grid end quote so harori this is a fascinating interesting story there's so many different parts to pick apart here but um what do you think about this this particular this this new law this uh they can just invoke this act now if they don't like what the federal government is doing hey you know it's it sounds good and i think i i've been picking up a, a trend uh you know now that you mentioned this development and just over the weekend there have been posts related to new zealand Slovakia, Estonia, now uh, Alberta. And I think going forward as the globalist de degenerate elites attempt to impose this tyranny on all on all the people of the world, the, the, the rich and poor, all tribes, languages, and nations, we're going to be going through some turbulence where in different um, jurisdictions, geographies of the world, you're going to see premiers, governors, um, you know, mayors, presidents trying to push back against this somewhat. Uh, someone sent me a clip uh, of my governor here in Jalisco, Mexico over the weekend, which just literally made me facepalm. Enrique Alfaro so I, I'm literally in ground zero here in terms of globalist smart cities. Um, it's the fourth where I am. Guadalajara is the I think it's the fourth city in the world that is is, is doing this. He 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 was talking about to implement uh, you know carbon by by twenty to have the city here where I am in Guadalajara carbon free by twenty fifty and to impl implement all of these uh, resilient. Um, projects and and all this insane stuff so it's not looking good but you know Estonia and Slovakia said they're going to reject w some of the WHO international health agreement uh things and New Zealand you know cryptagon uh blog cryptagon.com it's an American um who, who who's um bugged out to New Zealand and his blog he's been keeping up for a long time it's a great resource he he posits that New Zealand possibly has stepped back from the globalist brink uh for now so you know putting this all together uh ruckus i just kind of see this as a, as a wider trend of some governments attempting to push back which is good small victories because you know this net zero stuff is it's it's insanity and you know if daniela smith doesn't push back i think she'd she'd be you know dealing with a local uprising in in alberta so your, your further thoughts well, I mean, I guess this was this is one of her babies. She was a big part of pushing this this law to to be a law where they can do this. So I guess it was only a matter of time before she used it. Right. You got to show off the new toy. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I don't know. I, I, I it's it's so dangerous giving like single people that amount of power. I mean, shouldn't there how about shouldn't there be like some sort of voting process involved about making decisions now? Now it's left to her. It's in her hands to decide what's what's good or unsafe for Alberta in order for her to invoke this act. Right. 
Um, but the other thing I noticed too, by the way, because this is another common theme with this argument about net zero is, is it seems we're past the discussion about whether or not we should be doing the net zero thing at all. And now it's more like, well, we can't do it in 2035. So let's wait till 2050. She seems to fall in that that latter camp. So it sounds well and good that she's pushing back against this, but she just feels that they're not ready until 2050. So all of these people are still willing to move towards this end goal that we want nothing to do with, period. It doesn't matter when it happens. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good point. I was thinking about that this weekend. Again, when I heard my governor come out and say, um, you know, Jalisco is going to be like the fourth in the world to implement all these crazy, insane, insane, resilient city, resilient, sustainable development goal uh, projects and 2050 carbon free agenda. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, wait a minute. You know, no Mexicans were asked if we wanted to carbon free anything. You know, you'd never ask us. We don't want it. <laughs> You know, you're going to take away our, you know, you're just implementing it, pretending like it's, oh, the UN says it. So, like, you never literally asked us. You're, you're going to, like, take away our our, our cars. Uh, there have been reports about that uh, in Germany now. The insurance companies are going to basically effectively ban old cars. So, but I, as you said, Rakis, I think maybe it's like a death. It's it's strange that no politician questions it. They're, they're, they're all going along. You know, even Vladimir Putin. Xi Jinping in China. I was at the, the second largest book fair over the weekend, which is here in Mexico uh, right now. Uh, and there was a China stand and you had Xi Jinping books and China carbon free, sustainable stuff. All, all countries are, are, are in on it. There is not one single apparently politician that's uh, that has a death wish. So, uh, all right. Thanks for that, Ruckus. We'll catch up with you soon. We have Michael Sutton coming back on the program. Phone lines are open. We'll be right back. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president, but he's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Returning to the Rebel Transmission is our semi-regular guest now, Reverend Dr. Michael J. Sutton, political economist, uh, professor, priest, pastor, now publisher, CEO of Freedom Matters Today. He's got a number of books, podcasts. You can find everything at freedommatterstoday.com. Welcome back to TNT Radio, Michael. Oh, thank you very much, Shavore. It's wonderful to be with you. I think it's, it's your first time on, on video, so people can see you now as we, we are now in our second week of 
live video transmission, which ha has been fun. Uh, and so, you know, how are things? There's, there's a lot, you know, I think we're going to cover, um, you know, all the international conflicts, what's happening now, Israel, Palestine, Ukraine, and then also to get your thoughts on uh, the, the recent developments in uh, Australia regarding the the, the voice and then uh, the, the conference uh, as well um, that recently finished. So, you know, uh, you know, how are you and yeah. where would you like to start? I am very well, thanks, Lori. Thank you for asking and um, thank you again for having me on your show. It's it's really great to be with you. Uh, I do, I'd like to start with the conference um, that I attended. It was a great conference. It's called the, it was the inaugural Australians for Science and Freedom Conference, trying to do in Australia a little bit like brownstone um, in America, but on a much smaller Australian-style scale, I suppose. Um, what I found interesting was lots of great speakers uh, from various backgrounds, walks of life, and COVID hysteria brought us all together. And it was a really interesting experience because of that, that it's not the old sort of, the old um, coalitions and alliances have broken down over COVID hysteria. And so, People who would have nothing in common um, in the past are brought together with COVID hysteria and have this common uh, cause, common trauma, I suppose. And that's what I, I reflected upon the conference. And it was interesting because so many people who spoke are suffering from this, uh, as I am, as you are, as millions of people around the world are, this COVID trauma. And it's not long COVID. It's nothing. You know, there's always going to be some kind of sickness, but what we've experienced is this traumatic experience. And so many people there and so many people in the United States and in Mexico, probably around the world, lost their careers, lost their jobs, lost their reputations as a result of this experience. And so there's there's that negative side. But on the other side, there's new opportunities. There's, in a sense, a coalition of disparate voices all working together and there's um there's new there's new alliances being formed like a counter revolution like TNT radio in, in a way like TNT uh, Freedom Matters Today Brownstone um and uh, the Association for um uh, Science and Freedom working together to pro I guess provide a counter narrative to what's being shoved down our throats um for me my my debrief I debriefed I had a debrief for the conference my debrief was that unfortunately not much has changed politically in Australia. There is an interesting thing that almost every politician who was pushing COVID hysteria has been forced from the scene, which I raised the question, how is this possible? And how is this magical um, uh, formula implemented that so many politicians in the prime of their career, uh, and some of them were very young, I mean, they're in their 40s, um, politically, and they just left uh, for a variety of reasons, and they all have one thing in common: they all were pushing vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, and so on. So I find that very interesting, and no one can explain to me why that occurred and why this is continuing to occur. Uh, the other, the other thing that what struck that struck me was that beyond COVID, there is a, I guess, a fragmented movement. Uh, a TNT has been able to transcend that, and I, Freedom Matters Today, I'm I'm, so, I'm much broader than COVID hysteria. But what I found interesting was we were we were the conference was taking place in the context of missiles being flown into Gaza and tanks blowing up buildings, and it was sort of surreal in a way because, and not only that, there's the, the conflict in Ukraine, and we're talking about COVID hysteria, but yet the same dynamics and politics. Are present in these two conflicts in terms of indoctrination and propaganda and we were never we weren't even talking about it um, but it did remind me and i think i suspect probably behind that is a lot of the uh attendees were academics from an academic background and there is a bit of a kind of an ivy um not ivy league it's like a ivory um a monastery kind of field academia uh, i i attended a conference during the pandemic in the middle of the lockdowns, and there were hundreds of presenters, thousands. There was an International Studies Association conference online, but nobody talked about the pandemic. It was as if it was not even happening. And I find that just astounding. And for me, that that kind of dissonance between reality and kind of our reimagined reality, I think, is probably goes to the heart of what really is a, a the chief problem for us today. And that is we live in a society where terrible things are happening. But we can quite easily just literally turn off and want and have nothing to do with what's happening. There, I mean, a lot of interesting things there. I mean, just this last comment you made about turning things off. And I actually had that uh, thought this morning. Um, 
and it, I, I think the, the thing was Israel, Palestine, and, and Gaza. And I know for everyone, everyone's got their own personal focuses. For, for me, right now, that's not my personal focus. You know, maybe a few weeks ago it was. I'm I'm looking at other issues, but my just thought was like in my feeds, there's just a lot of Israel, Palestine stuff, and I thought I was just thinking that I can kind of um, turn down the knob, the the volume on that while I look at other stuff, and then you know maybe next week I'll turn it back up. Uh, you know, definitely Elon Musk was with with was with Netanyahu uh, and, and Israel uh, over the weekend. So you know that's an interesting uh, development. And it it's funny. I apparently I read that dictator Dan uh, was not welcome uh, at a, at a, to, to become a member of a of a golf club. Did you get that news? No, no, I didn't. But I, I'm not surprised. He was a very controversial figure. Yeah, yeah, maybe absolutely. That, that, yeah. Uh huh. No, you go, you go. I was going to say that, that that was some good news and kind of going to what you were talking about. How a lot about a lot of them left, I think, because um, the pressure from the citizens. But if we could just uh, hold that thought for a moment, Michael, we got to jump to our headlines. We do have some big news. Listen up now. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News. This is James O'Neill. Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla and owner of X, traveled to Israel to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu then travel with Netanyahu to visit Kibbutz Kafar Aza, a southern town in Israel, one of the major targets of the Hamas terror attacks on October 7th. Six teenagers go on trial on Monday in Paris for their alleged roles in the beheading of a teacher who showed caricatures of the Prophet of Islam to his class, a killing that led authorities to reaffirm France's cherished rights of expression and secularism. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. We are talking to Michael Sutton of FreedomMattersToday.com. He's got a number, a whole host of books, which you can find uh, there as well as a podcast and uh, you were talking about the conference in Australia uh, Michael and you know I, I still have this COVID trauma and I don't think we should you know forget about it I mean just today Sky News is reporting uh this what did they say UK's first human case of flu strain H1N2 detected and it's just like we can't let them do, do this again you know I'm not I'm not playing this game uh, again and so j just like you say we have to keep um pushing back and so you know your further thoughts yeah i think i i see a pattern and i i believe that there is a pattern going away uh, um, along and that is that's been going for many years and that is sort of setting setting us against each other but at the same time there is a pattern uh covet hysteria the election of trump covet hysteria the war in Ukraine, the war in Israel is all, in a sense, the same kind of dynamic. And it involves the demonization of a particular group of people, the imposition of a singular narrative, and and also it's the desensitization uh, towards what really is horrific um, uh, destruction, the destruction of COVID, uh, the destruction of lives in Gaza, destruction of lives in this Ukraine conflict uh, with Russia. That's been going on for years, but it's sort of a, a continuation of that. And what it does is it it does does to us what happened. If you remember back into the Bosnian conflict, of course you would. Um, but for weeks and weeks and weeks and months, we would we were desensitized to what was happening there. New um, every every night there was another news story about it, and we were just desensitized to what was going on to the point really where people just turned off. And so this is where we're going with this conflicts and these series of conflicts. And I feel that probably the end goal is to uh, promote, I guess, uh, an indifference in society. So when America finally goes to war against China, um, we won't have a problem with the carpet bombing of cities, the decimation of infrastructure uh, in, a, in, in the same way that we kind of were indoctrinated in World War II to accept total war, which was the destruction of German cities, J Japanese cities, and so on. And we we look back and say, oh, it was terrible what happened in Hiroshima. It was, but the carpet bombing of German cities, British cities, um, Coventry, and uh, and then, of course, Japan. And, and that generation was desensitized in the same way we are as well. And I think there's definitely a, 
a definite, not a conspiracy, but there is a deliberate process underway. Uh, and the goal, of course, is to ensure that America stays on top. But history always has a way of, and I think God, in a way, uh, behind orchestrating is his way is not our way. And we often think that we are orchestrators of our own destiny. But I think um, history will prove that uh, that's not true once again. Yeah, th that's a great point. And I, I would agree with you. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. But I, I kind of feel like th that they are going to take us to war with China. But the question might be what sort of war, it, you know, it may not be some all out war it might be a series of limited uh, wars or, or, or who knows. But as you say, I think they have been desensitizing us nor, you know, normalizing all these things that we're seeing now, the, these horrors, uh, traumatizing us. And, you know, the, the entire entertainment industry has been participating, you know, violent video games and, and films and the, the news cycles just were bombarded daily from anywhere you look, whether it's news or video games or TV shows. I mean, there, there's, I'll, I'll be somewhere and you know, I don't have a TV, but I'll be somewhere where maybe I'll catch there's a TV on and there's a TV show playing and it's just people just murdering each other nonstop. And I'm just thinking, how is that, you know, edifying or, or, or a normal thing you think about in history in history past, uh, I mean, people were not exposed to this, this is not a normal thing to just be, um, you know, I, I saw some skit from like uh, a comedy skit this morning on a telegram and it was funny they were mimicking the one of those you know the the chef tv show where they you get they get fired and in the end the chef stabs the um the contestant and I'm like yeah. that's not funny you know that that's that's crazy but uh you know uh, moving on also the voice referendum your thoughts on that as as well as for people who are not in Australia you know if you could tell us what was the the, the greater importance of that well that's a really good question um the the voice referendum was defeated soundly and I, I believe that behind it was that Australians uh don't like being told what to do uh and it was the, again this singular narrative idea that we're going to have a vote you're free to vote but you must vote yes. And so there is this uh, attitude of the government um, and it was defeated. Effectively, what it was going to do was to give a small group of people um, political power, uh, unlike which they've never had before, which was the idea was that Aboriginal people were to uh, uh, have extra political power on any issue that related to them. Uh, and unfortunately, that's that sounds great, but that could mean absolutely anything. And what it would do effectively in practice would be to enshrine uh, an imbalance within our democratic uh, constitution. The other thing, Havora, I think that most commentators are not looking at, and it's happening happening in America as well. That's why Black Lives Matter started. And Black Lives Matter and, and also the voice referendum had one thing in common, and that is that in America, there was a period of time, I think 2017 or around about that time when the number of Hispanic Americans outnumbered the number of African Americans. And so in terms of a political uh, uh, grouping, they were more powerful. And so a lot of African Americans felt, oh no, our power is going, we have to promote Black Lives Matter. Well, all Americans matter, of course. And in the same way uh, in Australia, Aboriginal people were terrified, many of them in, in power who've benefited from the, I guess, the state-led slush fund that the, many of these uh, bureaucrats have had for years. Uh, and that is that migrants are increasingly um, are increasingly identifying as Australians. So a third of Australians are born overseas. And so this terrifies the old, I guess, welfare lobby. Uh, of course, there were the poor Aboriginal people as well. And there was like a giant gravy train for Aboriginal leaders that is now come to a halt because there are lots of migrants in Australia who need help. There's 11,000 uh, Ukrainian migrants, and every dollar that goes to them doesn't go to the Aboriginal slush fund. And so uh, the political elites, these aren't Aboriginal people. These are the Aboriginal political elites who've made a fortune from, I guess, promoting the suffering of their own people. Um, they, they promoted this voice referendum to secure their political power. And... It was a very clever ploy, but unfortunately, the Australian people saw through it and voted against it. 
And it gave me great hope because I believe that the average person doesn't believe in fascism. They believe in freedom and they want to be free. And we saw this this vote was sort of a middle finger to the political establishment. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what happens in the future. That yeah, that reminded me what you said. You know, these Aboriginal elites and then BLM elites, and you know, even the PLO, like the Palestinian uh, elites. And I, you know, I've heard one of my um, professors back in Geneva was Yasser Arafat's brother-in-law, and it wasn't from him, but I just heard things. Uh, people who were were closer, I guess. Um, to the developments in Palestine going back years that you'd see a lot of these Palestinian uh, um, you know, PLO elites driving in Mercedes and, and helicopters and, you know, living the good life, not really doing much for the people they're supposed to represent. We've seen the same thing with BLM, <laughs> the, the few leaders of BLM buying mansions and really not carrying out their mission. Uh, and I guess that perhaps would have been similar in, in Australia. And then these elites, are, it's basically buying off the, 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 you know, the globalist elites, buying off these elites to do uh, th their bidding eventually. And you talk about fascism. There was a fantastic thread recently, maybe to get your thoughts on this cynical Publius on Twitter, cynical Publius. Uh, this thread sort of exploded and he said recently, Five days ago, I want to explain why it's important that we call Democrats fascists and not Marxists. Um, and, you know, well, he, basically he goes through the thread and that he says it's a winning tactic because the Dems and the, the leftist liberals today, the, the useful idiots, let's say, of the globalist um, regime and power in Washington, they call everyone fascist. When you call them Marxist, they don't really care so much. But if you call them fascist, that really gets them um, going. And I think he's got a point here because technically we could call like the Democrats in Washington fascists because they're doing um, they're working with the corporations to carry out this authoritarian agenda. Any thoughts there? Yeah, well, I, I absolutely agree. I think we have to be very careful when we talk about fascism because it's if we use it all the time to everyone, then the meaning of the word sort of is diluted and its effectiveness is is taken away. And we need to really be careful what we're talking about with fascism. But in the same way, Marxism, I, I also have a problem calling the left Marxist or even the term cultural Marxism. I studied Marxism at university and I'm well trained in Marx and Marxian uh, economics. And I really don't understand what cultural Marxism is. It's certainly not Marxist. Uh, it's not neo-Marxist. Certainly, from the the guys I studied at university, they they were around the seventies and eighties. So it's a, it's it's kind of like a, I would say it's sort of a, a layman's a layman's misappropriating a, um, a an important concept. I mean, there are there are a good a lot of Marxists around who've written some great stuff on on what's happening in Gaza and also um, uh, and what's happening in Ukraine, and so. I, I don't doubt their commitment to the cause of justice and peace from their own perspective, their own way of thinking. I think we need to um, we need to come together with people we uh, over particular issues and realize, okay, yes, they may be on the opposite side, but they are saying some really good things and they're on the ball with this. And a, a number of left wing journalists have been killed in in Palestine and and in Ukraine, um, trying to report the news, trying to get the truth out. And we have to salute those who. Uh, fight for their country, uh, regardless of whatever political persuasion they are, whether they're left wing or right wing. The the idea that someone wants to fight for their country, be it in Mexico, America, Australia, or China, uh, it doesn't really matter what their political philosophy is. If they're prepared to die for their country and fight for their country, I always respect that. Um, but uh, absolutely, the left in Australia is fascist. Um, I wouldn't call them Marxist. Marxist implies a degree of suffering, exploitation, and also a lot of poverty. There was always, certainly in the old days, the Marxists were poor. They were fighting against the system. But in the in Australia and in America, a lot of the left are establishment figures, they're very wealthy. They're very well off. So to call them Marxists is a little bit like calling them poor. They're certainly not poor. Uh, and they use political categories to promote values that they have no intention of believing in or following. And so, in a way, uh, you know, all the candidates for the presidency in America—they're all wealthy people. They're all part of the elite, uh, and so doesn't matter what they say; they do represent 
a section of society that Americans can't relate to. But we all, you know, we all look up to these people as being, I guess, symbols of the working class. But they don't know what the working class is about, even if they may have had some connection to it five generations ago. Yeah, there was a clip that I just came across. Uh, someone juxtaposed some of Obama's statements with Vivek Ramaswamy. And he's literally using some some of the same recycled talking points to the T as Obama. And that kind of tells me he's like, oh, you know, Vivek is Obama 2.0, the second coming. Nikki Haley is, you know, Hillary Clinton. You, you can't fool us. It's just more uh, of the same. And I, I did want to just read again from cynical Publius. He says the, 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 Dem the Democrats and the liberals in America despise being called fascist, especially when you can explain cogently and accurately how they behave just like 20th century fascist regimes they hate it because deep down they know it's true and they feel trapped when some when someone calls them on it it embarrasses them makes them act rashly and disempowers them just like showing a mirror to a vampire please get on board the Demo democratic party is fascist train it's a winning formula all right we're going to jump to our break michael's website is freedommatterstoday.com we'll be right back Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. With Joe Biden behind in just about every presidential poll, the strategy of the left seems to be to go after Donald Trump even harder than they've been doing for the past eight years, if that's even possible. And on the media side, Joe Scarborough, whose brother-in-law works in the Biden administration, seems to be leading the charge. He will do he will get away with, he will imprison, he will execute whoever he's allowed to imprison, execute, uh, 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 drive from the country. Just look at his past. And as unhinged as that was, it's nothing compared to what New York Democrat Congressman Dan Golden said the other day. It is just uh, uh, unquestionable at this point that that man cannot see public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy, uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. Now, after receiving some well-deserved criticism, Goldman apologized, said he didn't mean to use that word, eliminated, etc., etc. This is all the left has left. So watch for more of the same. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday to Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is our final segment with Reverend Dr. Michael J. Sutton of FreedomMattersToday.com. He's got a podcast uh, and a number of books baby race is his latest also the curse of crooked river uh, this is from hidden road publishing uh the third tsunami monkey and the castle by the sea is russia our enemy uh and many more freedom from fascism uh and uh you know before getting your further thoughts on say israel palestine ukraine china or anything of that we were talking about COVID trauma you know any other thoughts uh on that i think there are still people all around us you know i'm here in mexico wherever people are some of our family friends and neighbors um who, you know to different degrees we're, we're all nursing our wounds to this tyranny that we went through some of them literally uh you know i recently spoke to a mexican who was twice injected 
uh and he was asking me he was worried wondering like what what can i do uh and i said you know first of all relax don't freak out uh you haven't felt any effects so far so uh you you may have gotten a placebo uh and you know look for detox protocols so so there are people um dealing with that trauma and well before I, I let I guess I let you get to that Michael we do have a call from Joe who's got a question for you go ahead Joe hey guys calling in from a uh, heavily chemtrailed San Diego today um oh real quick note her boy you know how Jeff Berwick's been saying that AMLO banned chemtrailing in Mexico well I notice uh tons of the flights they start from the southeast towards Tecate you know, San Diego to the southeast, you have Tecate on the border, and there are chemtrailing coming out of, uh, you know, that part of Mexico going northwest towards L.A. So uh, they are at least originating or going into Mexico with the chemtrailing, just so you know. Um, but my question was, um, from the Christian perspective, uh, once you're red-pilled and you know about the unbelievable unspoken evil the American empire has done, uh, you know, over, you know, since going back to the stuff with the Philippines in the late 1800s with Teddy Roosevelt and all that. From the Christian perspective, is it, it, now I know you don't believe in karma like Buddhists and maybe Hindus do, but is it almost better for your, I don't know what the word would be, your soul's uh, betterment to extricate yourself from this wicked empire like her boy has done, like Brian Berletic has done, like so many people have done that know uh, the, the, the horrors and the suffering that America continues to perpetuate, like now in Gaza, with, by supporting the basically satanic IDF, uh, it, it, would you suggest that people, if they can, should leave uh, the U.S. and go to places with much cheaper you know, cost of living and all of that? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Joe, for your question. Um, I think that uh, the Bible teaches us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and uh, we we are all the recipients of the grace of God uh, found in Christ. I think also that we all uh, are people who are made in the image of God, but it's marred by sin, and Jesus has come to uh, set us free from our sin by his death on the cross. And I also believe that uh, we all... It uh, doesn't matter how far we've fallen or walked away from God, it's never too late for anyone to come back to God. Uh, and we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer, uh, probably a terrorist. We would call him a terrorist today, a little bit like Osama bin Laden in a way, completely unhinged for much of his early life uh, and probably a, a thorn in the side to the Jewish community as much as the Christian community. But God found him and changed him and made him into the man that he wanted him to be. And I think there's always the chance for uh, evil people, um, once they encounter God, or God encounters them to change. Um, but as for evil empires, uh, we do live in this world and we, we can make an impact on the lives of people we know and we love around us. Uh, and we have to remember that uh, really God expects uh, nothing more from us except to follow Jesus in the life that we have and to help bring that love of God found in Jesus to uh, everyone we meet. Um, as for rising and falling of nations, we know that all everything comes to dust. Um, if you want to see the future of the American empire, go to a museum um, and you'll see what will happen to it. Uh, it. Everything turns to dust, but we are accountable beings and God gives us a wonderful opportunity in this, uh, I guess, as you say, evil empire to show a different path. And, you know, people like Kavore and, Others at TNT Radio are doing a fantastic job in in applying their faith and their understanding to this world and trying to promote uh, an alternative. And I, I don't think that anything is too far gone because uh, God is always there, even in the darkest of places. And, and just to correct the Jeff Berwick geoengineering Mexico uh, statement, again, this is easy to look up. AMLO didn't ban geoengineering. He just banned the Mexican government banned solar geoengineering because the startup was uh, sending sulfur dioxide into the stratosphere. So I guess only a certain type of 
geoengineering was a band that doesn't mean there's some there isn't some secret black ops mexican government program or or, or whatnot but uh just to add to what you're saying michael um i i don't think the answer is to um bug out to some bunker um i think it's you know if the M M american empire there's plenty you know a lot of people sh who should stay stay where you are uh um you know do, do i always like to repeat teddy roosevelt's um uh maxim do what you can with what you got where, where, where you're at uh not you shouldn't just flee the empire i mean we're we're now in a world empire there's nowhere to escape to you know it's a global soviet union for the first time in in history basically and um it's like it, it was my just personal life circumstance that i somehow ended up in, in mexico like that red hot chili pepper song soul to squeeze um where i go i just don't know uh i might end up in mexico and so it I, it's it just my circumstance it doesn't mean everyone should leave because yeah you know it's, that's not running is not the answer you know i had david Skripatz on recently he a former canadian uh forces veteran he wrote a masterful article for global research recently where he discussed you know his his parents fled communism and his father said now uh he, he wouldn't leave anywhere if you were in croatia still today or, or canada where he is now he's not going to move because there's nowhere to escape to we're now in one global globalist um uh, empire two, two and a half minutes to midnight uh michael other thoughts israel palestine ukraine anything else well i just want to tell everyone about my up upcoming book called the identity of jesus or god's pronouns we have to uh take the fight to um uh where we where we can and and go back to the bible and and uh see things from god's perspective that's what we do at freedom ads today look at things from a christian perspective we have to open the bible read it and let god speak to us and sometimes he says things we don't want to hear um, but we grow through that, and we grow through those that that exchange with God, that conversation with God. And I think we need to be honest with God, with our lives, and with each other. And and as you say, the journey starts here, Havore. It's about what we can do following Jesus, where God, wherever God sends us. Uh, and so um, I just encourage your listeners to to do that, and to keep our eyes open. Uh, you, you uh, I'm surprised that you've got yet another book. I mean, you're a very prolific writer. How, how do you do it? I can only do it with God's strength, Avore. Uh, God inspires me to write. Um, I sometimes just spend like an hour and it all comes to me, as uh, various articles and so on. But God's given me a gift to write. I've actually got five titles coming out uh, in the new year. Um, a few more novels next year, but 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 God's pronouns is uh, is good, and also freedom from fear will be my next upcoming uh, sequel to freedom from fascism. Um, but we have to make a difference, and we can make a difference. We follow Jesus each day, uh, wherever He leads, and uh, like all the disciples, just twelve men change the world, and there are definitely more than twelve men following Jesus today. So we can definitely make a difference. And thank you for your uh, your work, Havore. Well, thank you for yours and for coming on. Um, I'm I'm going to have to one of these days um, get all of your books on, on hard copy. Just figuring out figuring out a way how to get them shipped to to Mexico because if I'm not careful, uh, it they'll just disappear in a big uh, black <laughs> hole. Um, all right. Uh, again, let us know the the, the best uh, website and and place to get your books. Uh, it's freedommatterstoday.com and they're all available through Amazon. Check out my author page, subscribe to the blog, podcast every Monday morning. We're looking at the identity of Jesus. Um, it's a very, uh, very thought-provoking series. And uh, and and I think just um, uh, hiddenroadpublishing.com as well. We've got eight titles and five uh, coming out next year. But it's been great talking with you, Havore. And um, talk to you next time. God bless. Yeah, hopefully you join us again soon and i like your optimism and as you say you know what we do matters so let's you know keep on fighting the good fight with a smile uh, on our face against these insane degenerate uh, elites i'll be right back with conrad rogos <laughs>